today on Ag News Daily. I'm an advocate for this because we as farmers should help talk about this and share this story because otherwise regulations are going to come in that we maybe don't want and we maybe need to tell our story so we can help write those regulations. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thursday, January 11th, 2024, here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, brought to you today by Sound Agriculture. Jennifer, I was thrown off what day today is. You know, that's okay. It's an early morning for us. And honestly, with the snow this week, it's kind of thrown off the whole week for us. That's true, as we've seen a lot of schools canceled. Not that that impacts me too much, uh, but it has impacted some employees who have kids at home. Most definitely. My younger sister, I'm still home for winter break, and it seems like she just got an extension of her winter break, so lucky for her. That's true. Yes. When do you head back to college, Jennifer? My classes start back up this upcoming Tuesday, so I'm going to head back up probably this weekend, and I'm pretty excited for the semester to start. I have a good set of classes ahead of me this year. Well, you'll be heading up just in time for the next round of winter storms that will sweep through, and that will be a cold uh, cold first week back to campus. That is what I've heard. Uh, my dad said that I better pack my muck boots for walking around campus, so they are getting ready to be put in my car this weekend. <laughs> yes, that will be a very good choice, I'm sure, but uh, I don't have too much weather news other than just, again, we're watching, you know, those storms that are going to sweep back through the Midwest this week, starting as early as maybe tonight into tomorrow morning, but because of some of the cooler or blizzard-like conditions that we had earlier this week, Quite a few beef processing facilities had to shutter their doors for a day as many folks could not get to work. Tyson Foods and Cargill said on Tuesday that they both suspended operations at a beef plant in Kansas, multiple locations, in fact, due to the massive snowstorm, which overall will reduce the U.S. meat production. As we look at disruptions to beef production, at a time when prices remain relatively high, U.S. ranchers reduced their herds previously, as we've seen drought and other conditions impacting cattle feed or cattle on feed numbers. But nationwide, packers slaughtered an estimated 94,000 cattle on Tuesday nationwide, and that's down 25% from the week earlier. Cargill shuttered their plant at the Dodge City location due to snow, cold, and loss of power. The plant will reopen once power returns and conditions are safe, which I believe happened yesterday. Need to follow up on that one. And Cargill also shut down one of their facilities in Kansas as well after about 50 employees at Cargill uh, tried to get there and couldn't. So hopefully a majority of those folks made it home safe and sound there. But we're going to see more of a wintry mix heading into the weekend, so we might see potentially some production idle again, and that could definitely have an impact here on beef prices longer term, especially at the grocery store if we do see a drop in slight production here for a couple of days. Absolutely. And Delaney, staying on the same track that we have reported a little bit on every episode this week so far, I have some more on some thoughts on foreign land ownership. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds is asking state lawmakers to take more action on foreign ag land ownership restrictions. During her condition of the state address past Tuesday night, Reynolds said that China has become more aggressive in its purchases of U.S. farmland. 
Specifically, she said that we cannot let foreign governments undermine the agricultural dominance that our farmers have worked so hard to build. She says her new bill would protect agricultural land from foreign adversaries. The legislation will enhance reporting and enforcement, increase penalties, and provide more transparency to Iowans on what land is currently under foreign ownership. Governor Reynolds said Iowa currently has some of the strongest state-level protections against this type of foreign ownership of farmland in the United States, Delaney. Yeah, she's making a lot of moves this week because we also saw in Iowa specifically here, a federal judge has not granted an injunction against the Iowa ag-gag law. Now, there are several states that have similar ag-gag laws that they have put into place. Uh, Iowa's in particular here got a challenge from a couple of animal welfare activist groups And after appealing to a federal appeals court, they ended those two injunctions this week and upheld the Iowa ag-gag law. Of course, an ag-gag law is essentially a law that makes it illegal to use deception to gain entry into an agricultural production facility as well as record with a camera while trespassing. This goes against free speech. This does not go against free speech, which is what the animal welfare groups had uh, posed in their injunctions. And Governor Reynolds said this is a win both for Iowans and the country. Iowa farmers feed and fuel the world and are essential are an essential part of the global food supply chain. No longer will people be able to gain access or employment to agricultural production facilities with the intent to cause physical injury or economic harm. As we know, many animal welfare activists were posing as potential employees and were in fact going into some of these Iowa farms and elsewhere in the country to record footage, Jennifer, behind the scenes uh, to try and make different hit pizzas on especially animal livestock farmers. So the ag-gag law here is upheld for the state of Iowa, and that is also hopefully going to set a precedent for other states that might be dealing with similar challenges of animal activists trying to get that law thrown out. Absolutely. That is a great goal that I think every state needs to achieve because that is some crazy, crazy things that have been happening in this world. But kind of staying on the same track that I have been on, the South Dakota Farm Bureau State Public Policy Director Matthew Bogue says private property rights are expected to get attention in South Dakota's state legislative session. He says that the carbon pipeline discussion has been huge in South Dakota this past year, especially with the Summit Carbon Pipeline moving forward. There will be efforts to limit the use of eminent domain for carbon dioxide pipelines and discussions about surveying. Bogue says that the South Dakota Farm Bureau is supportive of the current permitting standards at the South Dakota Public Utilities Commission and would like to see increased communication on projects. Our members saw a lack of communication between companies and landowners, and that created a hostile environment, Bogue said. If someone is coming out to do a survey, landowners need to know who is doing the survey, what they are doing, where they are doing it, and when they're going to be doing it, he continued on. He finally says that there hasn't been any bills introduced in the session yet, but it's likely before the end of this month. 
So Delaney, with all of the state legislative sessions beginning back up, it is very interesting to hear about all of this private property bills coming in place. Yeah, it sounds like that is going to be a big focus here for potentially our national Congress, as well as obviously some local community Congresses or local state Congresses, I should say, as well as local legislators there. So we'll be keeping an eye on that one as it sounds like it's going to be a big issue moving forward, Jennifer. But one thing that also continues to be a big issue is global shipping issues from drought that we've seen here in the United States as freight is trying to get to the southern ports all the way down to the Panama Canal. Now growing tensions and attacks in the Red Sea is causing freight rates worldwide to skyrocket, as well as ongoing delays in shipping products around the globe. As we see tensions in the Red Sea are growing, U.S. and British naval forces continue to fight off attacks by the Yemen-based Houthis. Forces shot down 21 drones and missiles fired earlier this week on Tuesday by the group marking the largest attack since the war began between the Hamas and Israel three months ago. The conflict is also causing shipping issues as merchant shippers aren't willing to risk their vessels from being attacked. And we know insurance has been an issue for those vessels trying to get through as well. And all in all, that is going to also potentially reflect in prices that we pay for some of our goods, Jennifer, as Shipping costs across the board are now starting to be uh, accumulated by merchants trying to get their goods. Uh, So as we look at the path forward here, we've already seen the cost of freight rise by about $20 a ton for different commodities. And insurance has also increased in price. And it's only time before we really see that cost passed back to the consumer. Absolutely. And kind of similar to talking about the availability of products, let's look at broiler numbers for the beginning of this year. As the USDA says that broiler sets and placements started the year pointing towards tighter chicken supplies for the rest of this year. The USDA shares that 237.14 million broiler type eggs were set into incubators last week below the previous week and down 1% on the year, as the industry continues to react to expectations for slower demand and higher imports. Average hatchability remained just below 80%. The placements of 187.14 million head into meat production were above the week before, but slightly less than last year, with most of those birds heading to market in February. The next USDA's updated annual report is projected to be out this Friday, January 12th at 11 Central Time, Delaney. But that is my last story for the morning. Do you have any left? Well, I think this is a good segue into our interview conversation for today. We're going to be chatting with, or Tanner will be chatting, I should say, with Kelly Garrett talking about the Trutera Carbon Program. And uh, Trutera just recently this week announced that in the last two years since their carbon program has been put into effect, they've paid farmers more than $9 million for capturing 462,000 metric tons of carbon. For the first time in 2024, the business also announced they are expanding enrollment to include long-term adopters. 
specifically for qualified farmers who have adopted cover crops or reduced tillage before the crop year of 2021. Currently, farmers can earn up to $30 per metric ton of carbon stored with a minimum of $2 per acre. There's also other ways for farmers to get paid through USDA financial assistance, nitrogen management, and a couple of watershed programs, depending on where you live. We'll dig into that more here with Kelly in just a moment. But before we do, let's dig into where the markets are trading here in the overnight Jennifer, as we take a look at the overnights here, we're seeing mostly mixed uh, or positive trade here on the board, finally, after trading lower earlier this week. Ahead of Friday's WASDE report, we're expecting some mixed numbers as production numbers are expected to be higher for corn. Exports also expected to be higher. So we'll see if the bulls or the bears went out there. On the soybean side of things, we're expecting to see production numbers ending stocks coming in lower, but exports also coming in lower as well. And South America right now remains the wild card. How much will the USDA cut from their safrina crop as well as their current soybean crop? All those factors will play out at 11 a.m. Central Time tomorrow. But ahead of that report here, we've got March corn trading up a quarter of a cent at 4.59 and three quarters. March soybeans up seven and three quarters cents at 12.44 and a quarter. March Chicago wheat down two and three quarters cents at 6.08. March hard red winter wheat down two and three quarters at 6.21 and three quarters. And March spring wheat up three quarters of a cent at 7.08 and a half. Taking a look at the livestock markets here. February live cattle this morning will open at $1.7075. March feeder cattle will open at $2.2612. And February lean hawks opening this morning at $7207 and a half. Now, as I teased already, we're chatting today with Kelly Garrett to talk about Chutera's carbon program. So let's turn it over to that conversation. Do you want to optimize the amount of plant nutrition provided by the microbes in your soil? Source it. Want to replace 25 pounds of nitrogen and phosphorus per acre? Source it. Looking for a more cost-effective way to unlock your crop's potential and increase ROI? Source it. Easy to handle, apply, and store. To make your fertilizer plan more efficient, source it. Learn more at sound.ag. We've got a good friend of the podcast back to hang out with us here for a little What's Working in Ag segment because it's tis the season, Corey. It's time to start getting signed up for programs. There's a lot of stuff going on right now in the winter, you know, purchasing inputs and planning for next year, but this is a very important one. This is. This is something that I think a lot of our listeners are wondering about and want to find a trusted partner mm-hmm. to work with. So it's a good thing we got Kelly Garrett here to hang out with us. Welcome to the podcast again, Kelly. How are you, Tanner? Hello, Corey. Hello. We're great. We're about to be better, getting fueled up on our GLC beef beef mm-hmm. sticks here hanging out in front of us. We love the products that you've sent us. We appreciate that. Thank you. I haven't had lunch yet. That doesn't sound too bad myself. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't fed you yet? I figured uh, No. Oh. Well, we'll have to send a text <laughs> no. to make sure that that gets done. Yep. I know it. I'm a little disappointed. I thought I would have eaten by now. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump right into the topic of carbon and what it, your experience has been working with Truterra. So how long have you been partnered up utilizing their programs? I started with their original contract in 2021, uh, have stayed there exclusively ever since, and uh, been a great experience. I want to say I've learned probably the most about the carbon market from Kelly. Mm-hmm. 
Um, if I'm not mistaken, you're probably one of the first people to get paid in Iowa, at least. I, you? Uh, I have the distinction of being the first farmer to get paid in the carbon market. December 1st, 2020, Shopify bought 5,000 of my original credits. Shopify. That's even a household yeah. name that we'd recognize. Yeah. Really? So how's that changed yeah. now from, from when you started to now? Is it is it easier to sign up? It uh, It is easier to sign up. You know, that, that first uh, initial with Shopify, we were kind of figuring it out as we went along. Uh, I'm supposed to tell you that they were looking for an early adopter. The term I've always used is guinea pig. But I was willing <laughs> to be that guy, you know. And, um, yeah, it, uh, it, it very much has been streamlined and, uh, you know, telling people what you need. Uh, you need your 578s from the USDA, from FSA, and you need your federal crop paperwork because they need third-party validation. They need third-party verification to uh, to ensure that everything you're telling is the truth. You know, it, there's a lot of money involved here, and nobody's going to hand it over to you unless you can prove to them that you're telling the truth. And so that's the two sources of information I use. makes it very easy, very seamless because, of course, the government is verifying that information. Right. So most, most farmers that I know might turn their nose up at something like this, and now we've been in it for a few years. What made you go against the grain and go into look into something like this? Well, you know, I would tell you that I was a little bit lucky that where, where I live or where we live, you know, you guys are only about 100 miles away, where we live is the sweet spot for carbon sequestration. So our models are going to show the most carbon sequestered into the soil relative to say my friend Chad Henderson in Alabama. Okay. So we're lucky to where we live. And then where I live in the Hills over here, as you guys know, where I live in the Hills, you know, no-till and cover crops really help us with conservation and things like that. So the way that we farm is tailor made for what the carbon market is looking for. So just like most things in my life, Corey, as you know, I get lucky. So <laughs> what, that's what, that's what got me involved in the first place was, everything here just kind of fell in place with what they're looking for. And all I had to invest to be that early adopter was time. So I really didn't think I had a lot to risk because of the money that we were talking about. And boy, it's been a big payoff. So when you talk time though, how difficult is this sign up process? You already talked about what forms we want to make sure we have for information. If Corey and I are getting ready to sign up for this, what are we looking at? You know, that, that very first time to get everything, as we were figuring it out and working through that, we felt like it took us about 55 hours. Today, it takes about 10. Wow. You know, you, you need your yields, uh, your yield map, your rotation. What, what you get, your rotation is verified off your federal crop paperwork. Your 578 to verify the acres and things like that. It's about a 10-hour-a-year process. It's not a big deal. Nice. That doesn't sound too bad. How about, so now we know why and how there's a lot of different companies out there that offer carbon credits, or it seems like, you know, it's kind of murky water in some instances. Why Truterra? You know, I got involved with Truterra originally. They uh, called, I happened to live not too far from one of the executives at Truterra, um, had a relationship with them. And then my retailer from Truterra is not too far away. And um, that original uh, Microsoft contract, was attractive. You know, my, my first credits were with a different market. They were $15. The Microsoft contract, the original one with Chutera was $20. So of course, you know, we're talking about 33% more money and, uh, uh, Trutera hasn't had a hard time in attracting buyers. 
some of the other markets I've been involved with or looked at have had a little uh, tougher time to attract buyers and it takes a while to get paid. With Truterra, it's like clockwork and they just come at you. And then, you know, some of the other, you, you know, you use the word murky waters or I've talked about the carbon market can be like the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. Well, with Truterra being backed by Land O'Lakes, a hundred year old cooperative, um, I guess I, I would say the analogy is when you talk about Land O'Lakes, people maybe don't work with Land O'Lakes uh, or their co-op if they're not in their area, but you just talk about security, honesty, transparency, and all of that carries through with Truterra. It's just a secure, honest place to be. And as a farmer, you don't feel like you're being taken advantage of. Yeah, because when you said you felt like the guinea pig, you know, four years ago, I think there's still some farmers that might feel that way too. It's just such an unknown space and not not because there hasn't been some experience. It just, I think there's a lack of people talking about their experiences. There, there are, you know, and uh, farmers are notoriously private. They don't want to share a lot of things. Uh, you know, they can look at their neighbors as being competitors and things like that. Um, I've just been very open about my experience because I, I believe that it's what's best for our environment. I believe it's what's best for agriculture. I believe the government is going to come with regulations. And the, the programs that Truterra has are the way that we should maybe look at farming. And we as farmers, I'm an advocate for this because we as farmers should help talk about this and share this story because otherwise regulations are going to come in that we maybe don't want and we maybe need to tell our story so we can help write those regulations. Uh, My friend Temple, part of Extreme Ag in the Chesapeake Bay, regulations came in and they had to relearn how to farm. That's the story he'll tell you. Those regulations or or, or some type of them will probably come to the rest of the nation. Let's figure out how to write the story and talk about it. Let's let's engage in programs like Truterra has to help show the world that we're doing a good job by the environment and the climate. Yep. Probably the biggest question that any farmer is going to have is on the payment side of things of this. What's it, what do you get paid or how much per per carbon credit? When do I get paid? How has that process looked? You know, I expect my next check to come in February. Uh, There's some people that have been getting paid in December. It depends on the program you're in, right? You know, like I said, my original credits for 15. Then when I started with Truterra, they went to 21. I'm talking per ton or per credit. That's the same thing. Yep. Now they're up to 30. Really? Now they're up to $30 per credit. Um, there's some other long-term adopters that, that before didn't ever qualify for a program. Truterra now has a program for them, and I think they get paid $25 an acre. You know, an that's acre. a lot of money. You know, when, when before, you didn't, you didn't ever qualify for a program. Now you can go get $25 an acre, and then you can go into the future programs. That's great. Yeah, I think the flexibility is going to be key. But if we've still got a listener that isn't excited yet, what we've talked about hasn't gotten fired up to go sign up or start looking into the program, what do you have to say to someone who's still doubtful? You know, uh, there's information at Extreme Ag. You guys have got information. Truterra's website shares a lot of information. Talk to a Truterra retailer. Um, you know, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook. I would share my experience with you on a personal level. You know, I... I don't have anything to hide. And uh, just to talk about it, you know, uh, I've been around people before and on a panel with a guy. He said, well, I really don't know what I'm selling or I really don't know how it's being measured. You know, and when you think about that, uh, that research it and find out and make yourself comfortable or think about other areas. How do you know 
when you, when you guys sp- spread uh, dry fertilizer, do you ever go out and, and make sure that they're putting mm-hmm. that amount out there? Or you just trust it. Yep. You know, there's so many things in our life that we just trust the people we're dealing with are doing the right thing. Why doesn't that carry over to here? Just because it's new doesn't mean that they're misleading you. I like that. That was a good a good way to correlate that. Well, yep. Kelly, we always appreciate our conversation, and we love it when you visit because you show up with uh, <laughs> some beautiful and delicious snacks. Yep. But uh, I'm, I hope our listeners find some value in this, and it encourages them to do some more of their own homework. And maybe they look up Truterra and get themselves signed up like Coy and are going to try and do this winter. I do want to say, if you are going to go to their website, don't do what I did because you'll end up at a shampoo <laughs> site. It's T-R-U-T-E-R-R-A-A-G, TruterraAg.com, not Truterra.com. Oh, yeah, that would uh, <laughs> that would probably help. Because so. Kelly can't use shampoo or doesn't need shampoo. So. <laughs> uh, it lasts a long time at my house. <laughs> Uh, that's great thanks again kelly we appreciate you hanging out with us i do have one question before we part we're going to talk we're going to talk drones next have you used drones on your farm yes do you ever spray with them yeah we've sprayed with the drones and we've seeded cover crops with the drones good experience well that's cool i'm excited to learn more about what our next guest has in store but thanks again anytime thanks happy new year well, thanks again there to Tanner and Kelly for catching up on that program. Super exciting to see some big things coming down the pipeline for Chutera and hopefully for some farmers that are interested in joining the ranks of the carbon and all of the different programs there designed to help uh, increase their bottom line. This year, more than ever, is probably a year to take a look at some of those extra revenue options. Absolutely, Delaney. I always love the diversity of interviews that we're able to bring into the podcast because there's so much to learn about throughout the ag industry. There certainly is, but we have one more day of learning tomorrow. So we encourage our listeners to make sure they're subscribed so they get notified as soon as those new episodes drop each day. Jennifer, until then, what do you say we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.